Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Join us for a two-and-a-half-hour episode as Graham McMillan and I talk Volume 1 of Geiger, my spending habits and reading habits of 2021 and how they are already shaping 2022, the X-Lives of Wolverine and a spoiler-filled discussion of the recent Inferno event, the upcoming Spider-Man status quo shift, the reboot of the milestone titles, the new Guardians, the real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and oh so very much more. We welcome your comments at waitwhatpodcast.com, your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan, what's happening? That's, I think, the question that everyone's asking at this point in 2022, I think, isn't it? Well, certainly what? after hearing your audio... What's happening? Why, what is happening? Uh, you sound kind of echoey. Did Chloe oh, lock you in the yes. basement again? No, I know. It's going to be the wrong input, isn't it? I bet I sound better now. Oh, you sound so much better now? Oh my god, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh. Yeah, for some reason it didn't take the microphone even to play through the, the headset. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know how that is. Sadly. Uh, so I will, do, I will do the Jeff Lester again if you want. Sure. Yeah, why not? What the heck? I'm going to leave them both in, though. Really? I don't know. I'm kidding. That'd be really funny. <laughs> That's it. See, I, you love that sort of thing. I do. I'm weird that way. Anyway, Jeff. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan, hello. How the devil are you? I am, I'm, I'm devilish. Thank you for asking. I'm devilish. I hope so. I mean, I don't know. You know, that's. I want to add. I, is that kind of is that common? You know what I mean? Like, like the good devil and the bad devil. Like, I thought it was a, a devil and an angel. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's devilish, but you're like in a good way, and I'm kind of like I sort of feel like maybe pre 1950 or so you could kind of get the good the devil. devil. You see, yeah, exactly. And you sort of like, ooh, ha, 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 I'm gonna cut a deal with you, Daniel Webster, yar yar yar, you know. But then post, I don't know, 1970, it's all satanic panic, and you know, like. Here in America, anyway, just a complete misunderstanding of what the hell is supposed to just be going a, on. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> I, did you dig the old school Riddler thing there? I, I, I felt very Batman sixty six by doing that. I really, really did. No, yeah, I, I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm applauding you. <laughs> Why? Thank you, thank you, Ram. It's, I can tell it's. It's very, it's very quiet applause. It's, I, I mean, it's not. It's don't... internal applause. Oh, okay. I was about to say your microphone is not picking it up in any way, but knowing no, that you're just, applauding it's the, internally it's is the applause of the mind. <laughs> you're, you're like two hemispheres of your brain kind of whacking together and kind of slashing stuff about. It's the sound of one hand clapping. Indeed, it is. So, Graham McMillan, yes, very excited to talk to you. As you may recall, um, not our last rock, but the previous Way What episode. Little bit of a cliffhanger. Little, little bit of a cliffhanger. Oh, and- I see. I don't remember, so you'll have to fill me in. This will be very exciting for me. Wow. I swear to God. It's... <laughs> 
It's like doing a podcast with the uh, with the lead from Memento. You know, it's just every couple of minutes you're like, and we're back. Uh, no, I just, it wasn't quite. That <laughs> to be bad. fair, like when we used to have to record these in multiple uh, recordings, mm-hmm. I would always start, and we're back in the I, second one. So it was always so that's great. True. Yeah, that no. is actually true. I did say, and we're back. Yeah, Jeff. Why don't you tell the people at home what the what the um, the cliffhanger was? Oh, yeah. By the cl- by, the people at home, we mean you, who are also oh, no, at also, home. Also me. <laughs> <laughs> so we had talked about a variety of things uh, on the previous episode, some of which went much, much deeper in depth than I think either of us were expecting. Um, and at the end of it, I revealed that I wanted to talk to you about the hard data for my 2021 um, comics buying habits that I had managed to kind of suss out through sitting down and cranking through some spreadsheets. See, I did remember that, but for some reason I just didn't think of that as a cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, no, you've gone. I've upset you now. Yes, yes, you have. You were like, oh, I, why did you mention that earlier? I totally want to know about it. Also, it's not really a cliffhanger for you because you're like, huh, this sounds like the ample opportunity to uh, mock the slow-moving Jeff. In other words, just a typical Saturday night for you. And I agree. <laughs> However, for me, it's a little more traumatizing because I'm about to get real with some actual numbers. I'm a little nervous disclosing I, I, some of them. I'm genuinely excited. No, I, I, I'm not putting it down. I just didn't think of that as a cliffhanger. I'm sorry. I, for some reason, thought cliffhanger was going to be like, you know, you were like, let's talk about Geiger. Because I've read Geiger now, Jeff. Ooh, oh, great. I'm very happy. Maybe we should talk about Geiger before we talk about my spending habits. What do you think? What, where do you uh, wanna... It's up to you. Which would you rather talk about more? Let's talk about Geiger, because I do have to say, <laughs> I, I do want to come back to this. A, I'm not sure how far long Geiger is going to run our yeah, conversation. Yeah, I, I don't think Geiger's going to last this incredibly long time. Exactly. But, uh, I, I'm fairly sure, I could be wrong, I'm fairly sure you have talked more than once in this podcast uh, yeah. about reading the collected edition of Geiger through Hoopla. Yes. I, I, uh, you also yes. bought like at least half of the issues, didn't you? Oh, no, 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 no. I think I, I think I bought the first two issues, you know, when they were marked out. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it was three issues of Geiger that I bought. Hmm. I want to say that you bought the, at least the third issue, if not the fourth, purely because was the third one not the one where we read the solicit and you were like, that sounds like Kirby. Yeah, it does, yeah I did think that. But um, OK, Graham, our discussion later will it help us with this. Yeah, because you, you will be able to tell me if you did, in fact, buy I, bought, I bought the first thir- three issues of Geiger and the first okay. two. This, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, first two, I bought at the sort of discounted, it's been on Comixology for a while price. The third, I paid full price for and learned my lesson and waited for it. I was going to say, and that, that was that was a choice. The yes. solicit for the issue three, which people will not remember, but which uh, after Jeff and I, I seem to remember both did not like issue one. Yeah. I definitely remember I did not like issue one, and I seem to remember you did not. Right. Um, but the solicit for issue three was, how do you make a monster... Geiger's tragic origins revealed from his time before the war to his fateful meeting with the doomed Dr. Molotov. All secrets will be laid bare when the king of Las Vegas invades Geiger's compound. And there then follows a conversation about how Kirby that sounds. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having now read the trade, Mm -hmm. 
A, I don't think the execution is particularly Kirby. No. However, mm-hmm. and I, I'm sure you're going to have a lot to say in the subject, <laughs> it stri- Geiger as a whole strikes me as instead of John's looking at Alan Moore and uh, it's not even ripping him off, but like using Alan Moore as inspiration for mm-hmm. Doomsday Clock and, and Three Jokers, mm-hmm. uh, he has moved on to some really bizarre combination of 1970s Kirby and Morrison's Seven Soldiers. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, did, mm-hmm. did you get that vibe when you're reading it or not? Well, uh, how do I put it? So, so the thing that is the thing. Well, the short answer, which I think is important, is yes, especially by the time you come to the end of it. Yes, which is which, the, I mean, which is really where the Seven Soldiers influence feels. I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. it, you know. For people who have not read Geiger, which honestly I suspect is a lot of people listening to this, mm-hmm. um, Geiger turns out to be not what it advertised itself as mm-hmm. in such a way that I definitely think the creators were thinking as a good thing, mm-hmm. as like a surprise fun reveal. Right. Uh, but for me as a reader, felt A, out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and B, Kind of made me go. Well, what's the point of anything I fucking read? Yeah, right. Like, did you have the same response? Oh, very much so. Very much so. So, so yeah. The first, the first five issues or so of Geiger basically read again, kind of like honestly, genuinely like, what if Johns did for seventies Kirby what the Battlestar Galactica reboot did for the original? You know, which is to say, oh, wow. like that's that's uh, a compliment too far for me. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I, it's genuinely a comparison because Battlestar Galactica, the TV show, did it well, and I apologize if I in any way suggest that Geiger is doing it well. I guess what I mean is is that I think that Geiger weirdly, like with Doctor Molotov, like with the cast of characters, particularly sort of the villains on the Vegas Strip, each of whom have their theme. Like, honestly, I spent the first three or four issues of Geiger being like, I can, like, I could reverse engineer the Kirby out of it. And Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same way that you honestly you can reverse engineer the uh, DC pitch that's clearly started as. Yes. Like, really easily. Mm-hmm. Right, well, exactly. And that's that. what I thought. And I thought that was the part that I thought was kind of interesting slash weird potentially disappointing is is that um as as i i believe we mentioned you know john's had like the was it kill box or killing zone uh, or killing zone killing zone right which was his little semi-imprint at dc or whatever that he more or less announced when he, dc he, going he whoa 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 DC didn't yes exactly <laughs> notably yeah. um when jeff john's you know quasi left dc mm-hmm. because of course like flashpoint beyond means that i guess he's back but when, uh you know when when it looked like johns was no longer working with dc i i reached out to someone at dc and was like what happened to killing zone and their response was we never said there's a killing zone yeah yeah and to me so so by the by the time you get to the end because killing zone has such a military 
I mean, you know, this pulled out of just, it could be literally anything. But I think there's a case to be made that Johns took a bunch of military-themed DC characters and was going to tell a sort of Seven Soldiers-infused story that sort of covered... And this is where things start getting really vague, because the end of Geiger makes it seem like this is going to be a fun-filled romp about, you know, U.S. military interventionism or not. Like, I, like it's just really odd. And um, But, the you know, the first three or four issues, like I said, you can sort of see the Kirby reverse engineering kind of the, the in the way that Battlestar Galactica the TV series was like okay how do we take some of these ideas and 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 this is I think sort of what I meant by the comparison how do we quote unquote take them seriously unquote right so so I feel like there's a whole bunch of stuff the post-apocalyptic uh setting the the kings of las vegas like each villain being like the head of a different casino and and totally buying into their their super theme the innocents becoming befriended by geiger you know that are on the run because they've got a MacGuffin. i mean honestly it it becomes a little more quote-unquote story honed um uh you know by the time you get to issue six And I suppose that's the thing that's funny. I feel like Jeff Johns was totally, his idea of a big pivot was like, oh, everyone thinks that they're reading my screenplay pitch, but it's my comic book universe pitch. Check that out. You didn't see that one coming, huh? Look at me, Mr. Synergy. And so by the time we kind of get to the end of Geiger, where Geiger has like, fought off a bunch of some, the king's men, etc., Shmaganama, and has made it to the relative safety of um, the military base that helped create him, but then he's, you know, attacked by a, vengeful, by a reprogrammed um, essentially GI robot, which, yes. you know, where, again, the influences are pretty goddamn naked there. And that all happens. The thing that I think bothered me and is a way that that the Morrison comparison sort of um, underscores, I think, Johns' failure is that fight probably will have, no pun intended, some punch to it once you've read G.I. Robot's upcoming Johns and Frank miniseries and maybe the rest of the whole whatever he's calling it, the secret war or the it's, hidden it's, war. But yeah, it's called like the hidden man or something, isn't it? This, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, just, I felt uh, like there was some sort of... The, it's called the unnamed, sorry. Oh, right. So the, right. So there's the unnamed, right. So there's there's all this... Like, at that point, I'm like, this, this is amazingly um, meaningless to me. You know, like that that is just empty. And it's weird that John's sort of ending of the series is kind of like first there's this villain that that comes out of nowhere. So you can have a super slug out that that you're like, I, I I'm like you just have that weird like, did I miss something feeling where you're just like, it's so emotionally unresonant. Yeah. Um, And it's like it's weirdly. um... Because to an extent, like 
not that you missed something, but Johns lays a groundwork mm-hmm. for this character. Mm-hmm. But the groundwork is it's a fictional character, right? Like the mm-hmm. Junkyard Joe is a fictional character in the universe of Geiger, right? That people read about, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, the real Junkyard Joe, quote unquote, shows up and fights Geiger. And there's, I guess, a moment of, wow, he's real. But it, it just felt it didn't work. It didn't land as like an emotional punch. It didn't land as a, no. a surprise as no. much as like, oh, okay. No, exactly. Whereas, and this, and that's one of the things that I think is shows the truest roots of um, John's, you know, that, that lends the most credence to the idea that John's just filed the serial numbers off his killing zone stuff and went and did it at image, uh, is that that is like you said, it had, if it, if it had been happening in DC and you're like, Oh, holy shit, GI robot. Like, you know, like you're like, that's a thing. And holy shit, he's here and he beats the shit out of him. Like, what does that even, you know, quote unquote mean kind of the idea of like, is there a, a bigger, deeper universe that's tied to the DC. Once you've got your, you know, your two DC heroes where you thought there was just going to be one and one of them's been reprogrammed. So it's funny how much John's like, you can see where John's is, you know, like, you know, once he's no longer rubbing tiger bomb into the boxing glove, it just doesn't, it just doesn't really affect you in any way. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't. So, so Geiger, I'm really glad you read it because, yeah, when I finished it, it was like, oh, what the fuck? But also, I really want Graham to read this because, like you said, the the strange seven soldiers-ness out of nowhere. Um, and also the weird thing, and this may be, you know, Johns is not editing this himself, but the... There's just such a weird raw raw section at the end for like oh all these great characters all this amazing universe you know and it's like Minuteman or whatever his are name you, is. Are you talking about the two page spread that like, yeah the two yeah that never heard. Yes, exactly. Right, right. There's yeah, like it, a timeline or whatever. Genuinely nuts. Yeah, mm-hmm. you get an unnamed timeline at the end mm-hmm. where you find out the Redcoats becomes immortal in 1776. Right, and the Northerner begins his hunt in 1864, and you're like, what? Yeah, right. Exactly, exactly. And I forget if there's promo images before there's or not. after that as well. Really? Oh, okay. Ah, okay. And uh, so I just really, but there's just the the thing of like. I, you know, it's, it's so, um, it's funny because I feel like Johns is honoring the noble image tradition of, you know, leaving one of the big two, filing off the serial numbers, publishing it. Yeah. Oh no. It's, it's a, a wonderful 30th anniversary of image project in that you're like, so this was an atomic nights book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, and okay, sure. So, and then you had Firestorm in there, I guess. Right, Uh, and you know, it's just it's shameless. The uh, the thing I think it it underscores Mm -hmm. is how much of the success of Johns's other work 
actually relies on the reader having a pre-existing emotional relationship with the character. Absolutely. One, 100%. I think I had mocked John's previous image title that was kind of like, you know, what if Ghostbusters but deadly serious or something? And I and I I don't even remember what it was called or something. Extra... I really hope it's called What If Ghostbusters But Deadly Serious. No, that would be excellent. And I mean, but no, it was called something like it might have just been called Exorcists or I don't I don't remember. But I remember reading the first issue and having that same feeling of like, wow, there's just no emotional connection here like i don't know if like just just watching the degree to which um uh john's contrives you contrives to get you to feel for his main characters you know is really unbelievably uh well, for lack of a better term, it's kind of hackish. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, this guy's lost his family and all oh, yeah, he cares about is family. It's actually kind of shameless. Mm-hmm. And also, um, it doesn't evolve or surprise you. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, it, it, there's an afterword from, from John's that introduces the unnamed as a concept. Mm-hmm. But he also is like... When I became a dad, I realized there wasn't anything I'd do for my kids. And I thought, that's a hook for a story. And then I talked to Gary Frank, and he's got kids. And he thought, that's also a hook for a story. But there's nothing. Like, that's Geiger's entire thing. Yeah. Like, he sacrifices his life for his kids. But they die, and he survives. (laughs) I mean, honestly, honestly, it doesn't reflect well on Jeff Johns, does it? He's like, I was looking at my kids, and I was like, what if they were dead, and it made me invincible? And I talked to Gary Frank, and he knew what I meant. You know, I mean, we'd do anything for our families. That's why I killed them off in issue one. (laughs) I like talking like Joe Bluth. (laughs) No, but it, it's it's the weirdest fucking thing. Yeah, it really is. It's it is that that, that it doesn't go anywhere. And like, and then there's the, for want of a better way of putting it, like really cheap mm-hmm. sentimentality of. And then he runs across two orphans who have just watched their mother be killed. Yep. Can he be their dad now? Yep. I, and but even then, that doesn't go anywhere either. Yep. You know because what I go is. No, but he'll try. Like, there's there's no surprise anywhere. The surprise is all unintentional surprises. Right. Right. right? Like, everything that's meant to be a shock isn't a shock. There's no real emotional arc for any of the characters. Mm-hmm. And the surprise is, wait, this is meant to be a setup for, like, a shared universe? Right. Yeah, again, that's the biggest surprise. It's, you know, it, like, it's... Why is yeah? Is, is, is honestly my response is supposed to like wow? I'm so excited. No, no, you exactly. Know? Like, yeah, I'm not sold in your shared universe because honestly, you didn't tell a story in these six issues. Right, exactly. I mean, you did, but but I mean, really in the laziest really. way. Like, well, not well. It depends. It depends on it depends on how you define it, Graham. If you want to well, see I mean, it okay, as a lazy so construction, on the most basic level. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But only on the most basic level. Well, there you go. Because again, there's no emotional arc for any of the characters. Well, right? No. Who? Who? I... 
I always love it when you start. No, who? I mean, as I recall, one could say, and don't get, don't don't quote me on this because this is the thing. I'm not saying that it was done well or or anything, but I think it's clear that you're supposed to believe. Geiger loses his family. He wants nothing to do with humanity. He meets these orphans. He ends up finding another family, reconnecting with the world, and you see him start to blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Okay, I, and, and you see him again sacrifice himself, right? Yeah, right. That would be great if, you know, any of that had actually happened. Mm-hmm. The way the story is told, you don't get to see Geiger becoming disconnected from humanity. Right. It's really shortly implied. Yes. But that all happens off camera. Yeah. You, no, 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 no. Agreed. Agreed. In flashback, yep. you see him find out his family is dead, mm-hmm. and then you see him in the modern day, and he's grumpy. Mm-hmm. But that's not the same as having disconnected from humanity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You don't even really get to see the idea that like he has rediscovered his humanity through the, this, the, the, finding these two kids either. Mm-hmm. That is, again, something the reader has to project onto it, because it's not actually there in the comic. Mm-hmm. Well... Yes, I, I think I, I. It's been like, a while I, since I I've fully, read I it. I fully believe and mm-hmm. agree right. that that is Jeff Johns's notes for the emotional arc for the character. Yes, exactly, it's and we there. both agree that it doesn't really go beyond the notes. One thing I think would be interesting now that you've read this, and I don't know if uh, it's on Hoopla, but um, f- like for extra bonus points, it's amazing how much geiger has in common with noctera the um the the snyder book snyder's tony daniel book yeah which is also a post-apocalyptic um uh six issue series with people on the run and people who have lost their hope i read that first issue and i honestly cynicism and think about it yeah no it's it's pretty honestly it's um i like it better and it could be i think it could be argued i think that it is obvious that that um how do i put it like scott snyder is the kid who's gonna like do every lick of his homework and be shooting for an a uh, and I think with I think with Geiger, Jeff Johns thinks that he was just going to breeze into class late and and get a B. And and I think he's I, I think I don't know how he's feeling over the fact that Geiger, under a real grading system, is kind of a D plus. But interestingly enough, Scott Snyder and Daniel's Noctera is has all the work put into it. But it's, I'm not sure it's, how do I put it? It doesn't, it does it doesn't, you don't feel any more genuinely emotionally connected to it. You just, it's just that Snyder did the work. And honestly, like Scott Snyder, because he does the work, you can see where Noctera might connect with, I don't know, a 14-year-old who hasn't read a lot of, graphic novels but kind of liked later Stephen King right which honestly mm-hmm. describes I think sort of the target audience for Geiger too and I think they would be massively underwhelmed so <laughs> I, I because you you just uh, maybe think about it, I I looked up the 
the sales for the last issue of Geiger. Ooh. Oh, that's really cool. And? 38,000. Where did it launch at? Let's see how many readers it lost. It must have lost a lot. So it started in April. 38,000. Uh, Man, that's... Woof. That's a, that is a lot for, for, like a, for an image book. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Ooh, you're yeah. not give, oh, you're not weirdly giving me... You're, you're not giving me sales for April, so I can't find out. So, Graham, are you going to, now that I've mentioned it, are you going to check out Noctera Volume 1, Full Throttle Dark, now available on Hoopla? Well, because you said it like that, yeah. Excellent. Do you want me to read the description of the book like that? Please, please do. It's been ten years since Val Riggs saw the sun swallowed up by darkness. Ten years since nearly everyone else she knew was infected and changed into hideous shades. Now, a ferryman providing transport for people and goods, she transverses the deadly unlit roads in her 18-wheeler, taking on whatever evils the night provides. When the promise of an illuminated sanctuary crosses her path, Val must undergo a journey far beyond the limits of any ferryman before her. But with a loved one in the throes of infection, time is running short. Huh? What do you think, huh? You really are channeling... Uh... Got it, Will Arnett, that's his name. Will Arnett, yeah, with club sauce. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm trying, I'm trying very, very hard. So it's, honestly, Graham, the fact that you didn't tell me that I sounded Australian makes my heart sing. Because that's, that's <laughs> no, your... You, you sounded you sounded authentically American, Jeff, don't worry. Ah, phew, wow. Good. Anyway, so you should check out Noctera. Check out Noctera. Anyway, um... <laughs> I'm so glad you read Geiger, though, because it really is... Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad one of us is glad I read Geiger. <laughs> I, I totally am, because not only did I suffer alone, but, like, you know, Geiger is like an embarrassment of riches just without the riches. So... <laughs> Geiger is... is um, I don't know. It, it feels, in many ways, and I, I, I do not mean this as a compliment, I think Doomsday Clock permanently changed jeff johns mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, i i feel that geiger is in many ways a you, you can see the the dc series it was meant to be very clearly mm-hmm. but it feels like the dc series that jeff johns thinks that alan moore of 1985 would have written does that make sense yeah yeah i, I can see it i can see it. when you put it like that way i can see it definitely yeah um and it it's I don't know. There's there's something about it that is just depressing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah. I I mean, I guess. I guess. I mean, you know, honestly, if if uh... I mean, do you remember? And I'm 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 going back fifteen odd years now. Do you remember Jeff Johns writing Green Lantern: The Sinestro Corps Wars? And oh, you and God, me being yeah. like, you know what's great about this? He's just fucking going for it. Yeah, like it's dumb, mm-hmm. and he's embracing the dumb. Yeah, and 
there's no dumb here for it. You know what I mean? Or, or uh, there's only unintentional dumb there. I guess. Yeah, right. Right. No, I think I think uh, oh, you know that's that's really interesting that you that you put it frame it in that context. I I th- I, I find it weirdly joyless. Right. Which I think, uh, which which is kind of amazing. Like, there's there's actually a character called Doctor Molotov, right? right? Mm-hmm. But Doctor, there's no uh, textual humor to that. I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like instead of instead of thinking, you know, Johns and Frank came up with the name Doctor Molotov, but they're winking at the reader. Instead, I was like, oh shit, they probably think that Doctor Molotov's like a really smart reference. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I I think I think that's actually kind of astute. Like I I think the thing with Johns that is um he's 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 managed for a long time to kind of Okay, this is going to sound I think harsher than 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 I necessarily mean it to be, but I, I will. I think that reading Geiger puts out a, a, as a hypothesis that Johns gets a lot more enjoyment out of um, dark crap than he would previously admit. Like, to the extent that Geiger is fun, it's fun in a lot of ways that is not fun unless, again, you're kind of, I mean, arguably you're a 14-year-old boy, but I think you actually honestly have to be a certain stripe of 14-year-old boy. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so, and that kind of, I feel like John's, you know, we spent a lot of time going back and forth talking about John's before about his... um, you know, talking about the influence of, of Mortal Kombat and and stuff like that on on sort of his writing and also just kind of him as a kid. He's like, I grew up with that stuff and that stuff was cool and 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 funny. And I, you know, as someone around his age, I'm like, it was all right, you know. But but I do think I do wonder with Geiger, which is more or less uh, John's attempt to create characters like the absolutely geiger is it couldn't like it was everything we just said it's all really kind of lazy and hackneyed and barely developed but it's all but it's also just ridiculously brutally basic and and the bad guys i don't think are really any better but it but they sure get a lot you know what i mean like you get way way more uh page counts and scenes with crazed deranged boy king you know and again all of it all feels like um you know game of thrones fan fiction basically but but there is an element where i'm like oh but how do i put it like john's is actually it 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 feels like it fires his imagination in a way that the the rest of geiger feels pretty dire you know um i don't know i just uh i'm glad you read it but yeah it's a Mm post-apocalyptic comics where you um you feel as if you've gone through the apocalypse yourself (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I honestly could not escape the feeling of um, exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, and exhaustion in, in the sense of. Like there's nothing, uh, there's no joy, but also there's nothing that feels uh, inspired. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, I think I think that's one of the things that kind of sucks is, and perhaps this is perhaps this is also kind of the secret of taking something from you know, a shared universe with a collective history and, you know, filing the serial numbers off and doing your own thing with it is, is that it, all of the quote unquote joy feels like it was constructed at the, at the plot or premise stage. You know what I mean? And then once that's taken away, there's nothing and which makes sense because in a way i feel like john's is used to having the universe do a huge chunk of that heavy lifting for him you know what i mean like it's like oh here's who this character is here's who that character is oh you know how you thought firestorm was a nice guy now he's an angsty angry you know, outcast in the desert. Oh, the Atomic Knights. Now they're crazy psychopaths who rule Las Vegas or wherever, however you want to go with it. And so there's a little bit of a, oh, that's got a punch. And I think that, again, the the thing that um, Johns in particular kind of did this this weird two-handed, like, the DC universe is all about hope, which is why I'm spending four pages torturing Johnny Quick in graphic detail, you know? And I <laughs> I feel like that he was able to get that going for a long time, and it, and it sort of works as long as you have some sort of emotional investment in Johnny Quick, or, and I think this is the, the real uh, uh, go-to, if you have a real investment with the DC universe. Like, what Johns is saying or what he's defining has you kind of rooting for a worldview that permeates or characterizes the universe. Um, but Geiger has, I mean, Geiger has none of that. Like, the, the, the um, we only get two pages of the pre-apocalypse before times. They don't seem that great. Like I, it's it's just everything about it. Like you said, it's very it's a very joyless book. It feels very tired, and it also feels really. Um, uh, it it feels like a book written about someone who has become utterly divorced from humanity, written by someone who doesn't realize that he's become totally divorced from humanity. If I had to I, oversell it. Yes? If, exactly. If you're like, if I had to really tell people why they should pick it up. Yeah. That, that's what I've got. I, I, all I had to trick was one person, Graham, and mission accomplished. So, you know, we got to talk about it. I'm very thrilled. No, seriously, I'm glad like you read it. So, someone out there is going to be like, I've got to read this for myself. And good luck. <laughs> it is. It's, it's so strange. Like, I... So, you know, I think we've, we've, 
talked about what the series is about, and I think we've basically said you know it it introduces the idea of that you know there's a a secret team that it, in this shared universe that you never see, but you see one other character at the end of the, of the six issues. Um, but I I literally finished it, being like, well, I don't need to read anything more of this. Oh, completely. You know, and the implication from the timeline is that you know. The, the other members of this team are all scattered throughout different points in the timeline leading up to this, and so they'll be in different genres. But still, no, I am so just done. Yeah, with oh. with, mm-hmm. with this by by the end of this volume. You, you know, know, it's interesting because maybe that that is the thing for me is i'm like oh yeah absolutely by which i mean i will probably perversely torture myself and read the next one when it hits hoopla well i mean the the 80 page giant is out next month jeff right well and maybe when it hits hoopla (laughs) maybe maybe that'll happen immediately maybe they'll be like the other thing is like so the names of the other characters yes um are generic to the point of funny. Yeah, Redcoat yeah. is the is the character from seventy seven six, the Northerner from eighteen sixty four, the monster in nineteen forty four. Yeah, Junkyard Joe is 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 J Robot, American mm-hmm. Widow X from nineteen ninety seven. Right, is honestly the one where I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> American Widow X. Yeah, like he's literally like, okay, I've got a Black Widow character, but uh, I don't know what I'm going to call her. And he's like flipping around, and he turns on TBS, and they're like American History X, and he's like, fuck it, I've got it. Right. Um, the first Ghost and Geiger. Yeah. And like when you get to the end of that list, and you're like, Geiger's the one who's the best name. Right. Right. You know, yeah. shit. <laughs> No, I know, I know, and it and it is. It's it's just oh man, the monster is made. Junkyard Joe comes online. America Widow X has her revenge. It's just it's um, yeah. I suspect that the unknown war uh in twenty thirty maybe that's going to be the big event where they have a bunch of this stuff and then I don't know maybe they maybe Geiger time travels or I don't know. I just I. Uh, Oh, we've also got this far and not talked about the fact that, in theory, the end of the book is Geiger uh, explodes. Oh, does he actually explode? Explode? Whoa! Hi, some dogs. Hang on a minute. <laughs> Hi. I'm hey. Back. Wow. Yeah, you're barking a lot less now. Um. Yeah. I, the the. Uh. Geiger explodes. That's that's the end of the. That's that's what happens because he opened his heart. Oh right! I totally forgot. I literally forgot if he if he's like mm -hmm. not one but two double page spreads of the explosion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, And then and then like it cuts back to the 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 framing device, which is character being like this happened here, and Mm -hmm. it, it it's because. Because Jeff Johns apparently wants to become Garth Marenghi. <laughs> uh, he has a character who says, like Paul Bunyan, Calamity Jane, and John Henry, Tariq Geiger became a legend. A story about the length the man went to protect his family. Oh, man. Like, like, I just wanted to make sure that I got it fucking in the comic. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, obviously, you know, Geiger is not dead. You can tell Geiger is not dead because, you know, at, even as they're talking, you get a flash of green light in the background. And the oh, right. Was, no, Geiger's story was only beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, how can I put this? Geiger is weirdly ineffective and, and <laughs> you know, doesn't really do anything until the end where he literally just explodes. I know. I know. It's it's it is it's. Like you said, it's not over, but it's also really like it's so um yeah, it's so cheap. Like honestly, if you had told me that like like John John Johns and uh Frank were like talking on the phone and kinda like Wagner and Grant with the John Child's request were just like, you know what, this is boring. I think so too. Let's just let's just finish this up in like an issue or two. Yeah, just... let, let, let's just blow them up. Yeah, let's just we'll just have him. He'll everyone will corner in on him. He'll blow himself up. Sounds great. Okay, sounds really good. And then hopefully we'll be able to get our excitement back. Uh, for for what's this thing called? Who who is he? The red coat? Oh yeah, the red coat. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. Junkyard Joe. Oh right, they're going back with Junkyard Joe. They're well, they got the eighty yeah, page. Red, red coat is um is not Frank. It's Johns and Brian Hitch. Oh, thank you. Right, I forgot that. See, how do you... I could have sworn there was promo art with this, too, but... Mm. Anywho... I, I want to say, because I've definitely seen some Redcoat art as well, and I'm wondering if they just released online? Maybe that's it. Maybe. God help me if I went and looked that up, but... I, which seems very unlike my M.O., but maybe... Because I think I really did figure, like, huh! <laughs> I mean, that's it. You get to the end of Geiger, and you're like, that was a choice. Like, and in no way was it a good choice, but wow. So yeah, that's it. Uh, I probably did go online to be like, am I supposed to be excited about these characters? Is, and is, also is like, is anyone excited? To be doing? Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So, oof. Uh, well, Graham, thank you for checking that out. I really am uh, glad that you sated your curiosity without me having to remember what happened. So I think that, I think that's the best. Um, and, uh, you know, it could have been worse. Maybe I could have made you read some manga. Not that you would have, but you know, (laughs) okay. So, um, So now it's time. It is time. So Graham McMillan, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, a couple of questions about me. Um, (laughs) this, this feels wonderfully on point let's go jeff graham are you the same age as jeff johns no am i not no i think i'm like three years older oh really he's eight years younger well sorry he's he's, uh he's one year older than me so oh okay so yeah wow okay that makes sense that makes sense obviously because i was way too old for Mortal Kombat. okay it makes sense but graham you're not a moral combat either so you're not, are you? Yeah, but like I'm, you know, I'm not into video games. Anyway, that's not that's not the question. That's neither you. here nor so, there. Question number one about you. Let's go. Okay, Graham. Twenty twenty one. Jeff Lester. How many digital purchases did Jeff Lester oh, make? Jeez, give me multiple in... choice, Jeff. Okay, hold on. Is it a six hundred purchases? B, 400 purchases. C, 634 purchases. 
Or One D. One of those numbers is very precise, Jeff. 434 purchases. It's the 600 one, surely. It's 434! It? Suck it! Yeah! Woo! I, I knew I, I, I could I'm do it by the by tell. <laughs> really? 434. That's a lot. Do you want to guess a dollar amount? Oh, God, no. I don't want to get a, guess a dollar amount. Do you, do you want me to tell you, or do you just yes, not want no, to I know? Do I, do I want to hear? Uh, here's the thing. I want to know, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure I want you to say it on the podcast. Does that make I, sense? Yeah, no, I do. I understand. Um, and But I think I decided that I was going to out myself. And there's a number of reasons why. Is when I started tracking everything that I was buying uh, and starting tracking everything that I was reading, I think I was shooting for a form of uh, accountability, self-accountability, and and this, and I feel like this year is my attempt to try and kick that to the next level, which is talking about this stuff it, to you and also, I think, to the listeners. Uh, but, you know, I'll tell you and, and you can decide. But, so Graham, I, I spent $2,041.99 on on comics on com i say comics but that also includes a few uh humble bundle things that includes sure. uh you know a couple of kirby things so Honestly, again that's surprisingly lower than i expected yeah i know well i think i think that part of the reason why it is lower and is surprising is um because you know, because Edie and I got this house, and suddenly I had to pay a lot more attention. You're like, suddenly, I had I had to pay attention to what I was spending. Yeah, I really did. Although I say that, and in 2020, okay, but see, that's 2020. Again, still trying to buy the house. Was I keeping track of my my digital spending in 2019? Yeah, let's see what 2019 is. Tw- eh? You know what? 2019 was only like $2,300. And honestly, it was around 2100 bucks when you cut out the streaming services, which is the same thing that I did here. Um, oh, so you're not including like a, a Marvel Unlimited and everything there? That is correct. That is correct. Like when you, when you work that in, there is an additional, at least in 2021, an additional close to $400 on... Marvel Unlimited, DC Universe, Shonen Jump, Comixology Unlimited, Azuki. Uh, I was paying money for, and I was paying money for the Nib, which I have since mm-hmm. discontinued. So well, yeah, yeah, because part of me is like, well, include that spending though. Well, because you spent that on comics. I, you right? know, I, well, so the reason why I. I have that on my individual master sheet where I factor in everything, but how do I put it? I put those as more or less fixed costs, right? Sure. So talking about taking everything that I purchased um, and then saying like, oh, I bought 435 things and then I bought, you know, for, for roughly $2,000 worth. Now, Graham McMillan, how many of them do you think that I read? Oh God, very few. <laughs> Out of the four hundred and thirty-five purchases, 
I read either partially and wholly uh, 234. 225 of them were just a flat out. That's more than I expected. Interesting. I I I have to admit I was I was expecting to be shamed by you so much more on this. No, crime. that, I feel that's, like uh, you have spent less, mm-hmm. and you have read more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I I think I would have expected you to have spent closer to five thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Uh, and I think I would have expected you honestly of the four hundred. I would expect you to have read under two hundred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although you did say like partially, you're including partially in there. Yeah, although Which there's honestly like skews the data considerably for me. How many of them have finished? Uh two hundred and twenty five are finished. Only nine of yeah, them were partial. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Better, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those the partials were usually in some cases like uh graphic novels that I started and wandered away from or something like that. So um and the other reason why I think that this is sort of interesting and good about quote unquote coming out to you is I have, uh, after seeing that number and being like, oh, Graham's going to give me hell for this, I actually um, took the list of the remaining, um, the however many it is, the 211 odd, yeah. Yeah, that I have not read put them on a list and I've been going through, I've already knocked 35 of them off, off. I basically, that's my other goal is like, okay, I'm going to make it a point to, to read more of what I purchase. So I've already gone back and started reading some stuff. And let me tell you, it's interesting. There's some stuff where I'm like, Oh, this is, uh, this is great. And then there's like, this is okay. And then like, Oh shit, man, I just, Boy, talk about throwing my money in the street, kind of thing. So, I, I, well, I, I'm curious of the ones, uh, of the ones you haven't read. How many of them do you not remember buying? Uh, hmm, that's actually a good question. Let me let me look at my unread list and change. I it. mean, the, the answer is clearly more than zero. Uh, if you're uh, like, oh, yeah, like, oh, I, I'm not sure. Well. I mean, it's 200 books, Graham. Like, uh, I, I mean, know, and you it's... You know what I mean? Like, there, there are, I guess what I'm asking is, are there any where you're like, I do, I have literally no recollection of this. Like, I don't even remember this book. Never mind buying this book. Uh, oh, what the hell just happened here? Um, oh, there we go. Uh, you know, th- let me, let me, let me, give me a second to uncheck some of these things so that I can look. Because cause the answer is, there. there's a few of those, but kind of not as many as you would think okay so let me remove the yes box from this and then click okay and then what happened to everything why did you all disappear how do i just remove this filter why can't i just clear the filter let's do that did that do it no all 434 tune in next time to jeff doesn't know how to filter um why can't we select all okay click yes all right, and now where's my... I must have done some other sort. I thought it was... This is all the yes stuff. Oh, because it's still doing the date red. No, clear this and click OK. And then that all disappears. Joy with spreadsheets. Yeah, right? Uh, and then clear this and then yes. And then nothing's displayed. Really? Why? Why are you fucking... All right, give me a sec. Let's see if... <laughs> 
see if I've got remove filter. I hate removing the filter though. Okay, here we go. All right, so looking at oh, these are my yeah my unread purchases. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll tell you there there are a few, and this is where things get into like I bought three volumes of Viking verse, the Jotun War. I have no idea why I did that. Or even that I had done it. There on There's February, the Viking verse. Yeah, it's. I think it's like those. It's a. It's a Euro comic thing. Like it's okay. something that's published by Euro Comics. Yeah, and it was on sale for something stupidly cheap. Was it ninety nine cents? Yeah, it was ninety nine cents. And I'm like, oh, ninety nine cents for a graphic novel. Similarly, on February fifth, uh, Kodansha had like a you know, start a new series. And it was mm. literally, I don't know, like, uh, maybe um, something like, yeah, it was like 25 books that were priced at 99 cents each. I bought all 25 of them and I still haven't read uh, any of those at all. <laughs> I haven't read them at all. Um so let's see what else the rest of this stuff those are kind of those were kind of my big surprises um i think that's it there's a lot of other stuff the thing that i find to me that i find interesting about the data is for me if i really want to see an increase in the quote-unquote bang for my buck which is to say i read the books that i buy i should unsurprisingly not buy um marvel masterworks on sale during bogos because i tend to buy a lot of them and then i read but not not nearly as many and sort of similarly when it comes to manga when i if it's one thing if i get hooked on a series and i buy six volumes on sale and i'm i've already started reading it then i will read them all but if i buy 10 separate volumes in a publisher's line-wide sale, um, I actually find the choice incredibly overwhelming. Um, there was a sale for... Uh, who are the people who publish uh, um, The Fearsome Dr. Fang? Um, oh, TKO. Right, TKO had a sale uh, back in January of 2021 that was, I think... Uh, two, four, six, eight of their graphic novels: The Banks, Sarah, The Pole, Lonesome Day, Savage Nights, Seven Deadly Sins, Fearsome Doctor Fang. Bought all of those at a go for two bucks a pop, but still haven't read them. Um, so those are areas where I'm like, on the other hand, I only at two bucks a piece. It's not like I dropped a ton of money, you know. Like there's things that I'm, uh. Going back through, there's a lot of stuff. Like, I tried to put a, a certain amount of money into DC's future state, and I just didn't... It didn't really connect with me, so it sort of mm -hmm. makes sense that I would, you know... So there's a lot of impulse buying. I do a lot less sort of supporting books right out of the crib that I used to do more of. Um, and I do find that actually buying books, like subscribing to stuff through Comixology is is among the best ways of making sure that I were like out of those 234 books um you know a lot of them are things like you know 
the Marvel books, Savage Defenders, uh, sorry, Savage Avengers, Defenders, you know, Avengers, uh, you know, Nightwing, um, and, and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, okay, I, I actually, I actually am reading the stuff that I'm subscribed to. Oh, and, and of course, Immortal Hulk. So there's a lot of stuff that's kind of like being subscribed to it actually guarantees that I read it. Whereas buying it, like, like I, I bought a whole bunch of those Batman family hundred page specials. Um, basically the entire run that they had on there. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's 84 cents a piece. They're hundred page giants and read none of them. And, and I think I told you, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start knocking the easy stuff off my list if nothing else. And there's also stuff that I feel embarrassed that I purchased and haven't read. And, um, man, reading those Batman families was not, maybe it's getting better as it goes on. Cause the first two were painful. And the third one was also painful, but kind of interesting, painful, you know what okay, I mean? I, I've, I've got a genuine question and it's going to sound like I'm shaming you and it's genuinely not intended. Well, to. no, I was expecting it, Graham. I was kind of, I knew, I knew you were just warming me up. Like I'm exposing my soft underbelly. Well, so but why are you go in for the back, kill. Why are you buying back issues when you subscribe to Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe? Uh, that's a especially, good especially if stuff like Batman Family were like, you've not read it before um right why Mm -hmm. Uh, well okay uh that's uh, i i find and i could be wrong that that uh well so let's let's break it down there are the there's a lot of stuff that i have purchased and uh that is available on streaming services that i do not read on streaming services and and I'm not sure how to answer that. Like the answer may be that for me, um, DC Universe and Marvel Unlimited worked their best when uh, when there's something that drops during the weekly drops that I want to read. I'm not as good as you are at going back and digging through their... Like, like you said, the thing that you do where you're like, I just want to read all of John Byrne's Superman. So I opened up DC Universe Unlimited, you, you know, and did that, you know, or it's like I was on Marvel Unlimited and I decided to catch up on all the Hick- Hickman X books. And, oh, Jeff, let me tell you, like, I don't that doesn't quite work as well for me. Um, I tend to prefer reading things like. This wasn't the greatest thing ever, but one of the books that I bought in 2021 on sale super cheap was that um, James Robinson ACO Nick Fury book, you know, whatever it was called, capers, some sort of capers, capers, you know, like locks and capers. Anyway, I just read that and I don't know, it, it. how do I put it? If I'd been reading it on Marvel Unlimited, I think I would have trailed off after the second issue. Um, and admittedly, I think part of why I read it this time had as much to, I mean, the art looked gorgeous, uh, and that ended up being kind of fun. The format was sort of fun, but, uh, so yeah, to, to, to answer your question, <laughs> it's like, it's like, 
It's like when Homer Simpson's asked what a Muppet is. He's like, well, anyway, to sum up, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not... Okay, I'm not... I have a follow-up question. Oh, good, good. I, I'm sure I, I won't uh, fumble this one. Go for it. Why are you signed up to the services, then? Well, you know, that is a good question. And I would say, I would guess I would say that the answer is... Um, uh, because they're so relatively affordable, I guess. Or another way to put it is, well, yeah, no, I guess that's it. They're pretty, pretty affordable. Like Marvel Unlimited, DC Universe. Like there was definitely that period where, where especially DC Universe, when it starts dropping stuff like um, a Wasteland, or as you know, like I've I've read the first three issues of New Guardians because they're dropping that every week. Like there's stuff like that that's fun, you know. And I I'm still kicking myself for kind of getting behind enough, but you know, reading the reading some of the Icon books, you know, as they were dropping every week. Yeah, the like, Milestone books, you mean? Yeah, uh, sorry, yes, the Milestone books, right? Did I? Oh, right, because Icon's one of them. Because Icon's one of them, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so, yeah, reading the Milestone books and, and being like, oh, this is, this is, it's fun. It's fun to have something that comes out every week that you can just kind of read, you know. That being said, A, it's really easy for me to fall behind. There may not be that much stuff that I'm interested in. And it, there's a case to be made that there's a lot of stuff like, um, when they were dropping the DC first issue specials, you know, of course, I feel like that the collection came out on Hoopla before they were even finished collecting it on DC Universe. Yeah. And part of me is like, why did why don't I just unsubscribe from DC Universe? Wait till this stuff comes to to Hoopla. And I I don't think that I have really good answers. And I and I should. Because honestly, apart from Shonen Jump at a buck ninety nine a month and Comixology Unlimited, which is a six dollars a month, and you're giving money to you know a, a fucking e evil monolithic corporation, um, had now actually has uh, exclusive content that I read, and it gives me a relatively substantial. Uh, discount on buying stuff through Comixology. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, I think that's actually a really good question because, and part of why I'm spending more time, why my charts have gotten even more detailed for 2022 is I can see more where I'm reading things, you know, like, am I reading this on Comixology? Am I reading this on Marvel Unlimited? Am I reading this on DC Universe? Or am I reading this through Hoopla? You know, there's usually four or five chunks of those. But, but yeah, I definitely am thinking that um, it's hard. The streaming services are, it's that whole like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's only the price of two cups of coffee or what have you, you know, per month. And, um, but it's true. I don't use it nearly to the way that you do. I like actually reading stuff in comiXology. Um, and I, and it's weird if I like the series, I like reading it more at pulled together as one trade than jumping from issue to issue. So, I mean, that makes sense. There are definitely some things that are 
um, easier to read in trade. There's definitely some things, mm-hmm. for example, that are available on Marvel Limited or DCU that I read in Hoopla as trades. You know, especially if it's like a crossover or something that, that you know, it's across multiple books. Oh, right. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's much easier to read as a trade. Right. Yeah, um, for sure. And honestly, I, I don't know if you remember, but, like, when I was reading The Mortal Hulk, I had to do it in trades on Hoopla. For some reason, I just couldn't get into it. Uh, mm. Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting to me. And I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see if that is the same for me. I, I It weirdly kind of makes a certain amount of sense because I think there's something that's just sadly kind of annoying and exasperating of having to stop every 22 pages, you know, load the next thing in the series and, you know, Marvel, I think Marvel Unlimited has gone through periods of being better or worse. But, you know, I still kind of ha- half expect it to break if I read more than six issues at a go. You know? It's gotten much better. Yeah, and I say I, that as someone for whom it did keep breaking for a while. Yes, yes. So, uh, so... So one of the things that I will tell you is I read in my quest to knock out the easy stuff, I bought a whole bunch of Conan the Barbarians for um, during some BOGOs and then just sat around being like, man, I really got to read these like 30 issues or something like that. This is ridiculous. And Graham, let me tell you, totally enjoyable. Really glad. I, I'm a little confused about having spent that money in the sense of I I more or less have all of the Conan Marvel Conan material through like issue 81 but everything from about issue 57 on is in single issues and everything before then I have in three epic collections and I'm like ah oh, shit do I just I, I can't spend the money on the next epic collection just because it's too much of a pain in the ass to jump back and forth between those individual issues and the collection, right? But in my heart of hearts, I know that I'm going to have to, if I don't actively talk myself out of that, that is what I'll do. So, anywho, as as Usher would say, that's my confessions. (laughs) And who expected it to end in that manner? Yes, right with an Usher reference. <laughs> with an Usher reference. You know, what can I say, Graham? I'm a soulful fellow. Um, so it, it, that was yeah. arguably the the um, the most unexpected part of the entire section that you ended with Usher. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm glad I threw you, Graham. But I mean, like, I spent a lot of time talking about uh, you know how much money I spent. I, I, I've got to be honest. Like I like I said, I I for some reason would have expected you to spend more and have read less. Well, I'm kind of relieved that i did not do that i mean i know what you mean though uh and And but part of that is also like you know i've not kept track in the same way but like my comic spending this year has been mostly about the subscription services Mm, and i mm -hmm. did i predominantly read on the subscription services it's easier for me as well because i get comp copies of things right right yeah you know so So there's a lot of spending that i literally don't have to do right yeah um, no, right. But mm-hmm. even so, like, I read a lot, you know, this week, the majority of things I've been reading have been uh, on DCU and on Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've been catching up on the Star Wars comic. 
on, on mm. the Charles Soule Star Wars comic. And I have also been reading a lot of Milestone books, but I've been reading the new ones, mm. the new mm. series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of that's available on subscription services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So I, I feel... Um, I, I feel almost as if like, well, you you get so much content right through those, you know? Well, so it, there is another thing that I think may be a thing for me that is different for you, which is I'm, I'm well aware that I am at best a hoarder in recovery. Um, and I think it's, it's, more apt to say to say that by being a hoarder that switched to digital like the only thing anyone the recovery is that you can hide it better it, exactly exactly it's never it's never going to be someone has to walk through a thin little path with stacked boxes on every side that are about to fall and crush the someone and it's great and so in a way what i spend or what you know what i have access to is really only kind of the tip of the iceberg but one thing that i think is interesting about uh hoarders um there's many interesting things but one thing that is really true is hoarders have there's the weird emotional connection to objects uh, and things, which is part of why you start hoarding or why you keep hoarding. But then when you know like that it's too much and you have to clean up, you kind of become emotionally paralyzed. And so, and this is the other thing. I sometimes wonder if um, there's a certain amount of emotional paralysis that sets in for me with streaming services where it's kind of like the where do you want to go and your imagination is you know like you just you come you're like oh i want to catch up on charles Sewell's star wars comics and i'm just like i have no idea there's thirty-six thousand things that i should read should i just read should i i maybe i'll just look at the covers of what came out this week uh okay, well, I should look, uh, this search engine's interface is terrible, I have a headache, I'm going to put it down. You know, whereas at least, weirdly enough, and this is why I keep uh, agitating for it, um, you know, the smart lists, for more of them, the smart lists in Comixology do allow me, if nothing else, to look at the look at a bunch of stuff that I recently purchased or recently downloaded, and... And so I can open up the app and look at, you know, really at least a gander of like, I don't know, 12 books or something like that and be like, okay, I can find something that I want to read here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that may also be a factor for me as well, which is that I'm not um, trying to try in, in the course of trying to separate out my my hoarding from my reading i guess um you know the purchasing and the subscribing to specific titles uh keeps me um just gives me an easier in sometimes than the than the wild west of 
of tons and tons of um, streaming service options. And also, I mean, I think there is there is also something to be said for, um, you know, part of why my purchases are as high as they are, the purchasing amount, is, is that even if I'm buying something, even if I'm buying manga on sale, that's like, you know, six bucks as opposed to like 10 or 11. You know what I mean? Like, there's a number of things that... Um, it's really common for me to spend twelve dollars uh on a, a manga volume, and I just get incredibly antsy for the most part if I'm gonna be spending more than five on a big two book um but but that's also i mean i I phrase that wrong essentially i'm in the, I'm currently in the manga phase, so I'm more willing to pay for a manga uh and or even spend more time perusing the streaming services um be, than than it is for me to peruse the streaming services of the big two because there's there's a lot that I would read that I that I have really very little interest in reading but would be if if say all I had was Marvel Unlimited for example so yeah no no that makes sense yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I have to say, Graham, you didn't shame me very much, but you did an excellent job at still conveying disappointment. So even if it was disappointment, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay. It's okay. It's it's. I'm. I, I think I'm mostly joking. I don't know. Um. Wait. What's this? Oh, this is the. The money that I've spent so far this month, yeah. Well, oh, you know, one thing that I will tell you, Graham, that that is that is going to throw off my figures significantly to the point where I fully expect you to be like, oh, well, then this is ridiculous. This this whole thing is invalid, Jeff. Is I I would only count a humble bundle as one purchase, um, and that's I mean that's ridiculous because many humble bundles, of course, are something like. 20 or 25 titles oh no no weirdly enough i i count it as one purchase like right no it's a lot okay. of comics but it's one purchase okay i well, good. i, I, mm-hmm. I see that that makes sense okay okay well that that is i'm kind of relieved that you see it that way because it 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 also sort of makes sense in terms of being able to tally numbers and things like that but but it does give you a little it it does slightly distort i suppose um, because honestly, if you buy, if you buy one humble bundle and you read every title in that collection so that you can say that you've read one purchase, you know what I mean? Like, but that purchase is actually 50 comics. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyway. Okay. Well, that is that hopefully listeners, hopefully you feel, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm fascinated and in a very strange way i i feel that it's hues very closely to your reading habits mm. if that's too obvious mm. mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like i think i read predominantly big two stuff so kind of it only makes sense that i'm reading predominantly subscription services mm-hmm. centered around those big two material right 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 mm-hmm. whereas i think you for the most part, I was going to say ignore, which is a bit strong, but but you do not favor those those titles, right? 
Right. Right. So of mm-hmm. course you're reading other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that is I think there is something to that. I'm reading certain things, you know. Um, manga can be just ridiculously enormous too. You know, like it's it's basically one volume of manga really is more like a trade paperback in that it's several hundred pages at a go. Um, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, huh. I've got a, you know, my comics reading list does list the platforms on this. Maybe I, if you don't mind, maybe I will come back next month and or I can, wait, is it in my pivot tables? Oh, yeah. Okay. Actually, here we go. So... So, huh, that's weird. Why is it only 556 tiles? I'm sure it makes sense. The uh the 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 platform I read the most on uh was Comicsology. Um I actually read DC Universe and DC Universe Infinite more than I read uh Marvel Unlimited. Um I actually read more Hoopla than I read Marvel Unlimited. Um yeah, not Neither of those surprised me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, so some of this stuff breaks breaks up kind of the ways that that you would expect. Also, there's things like, for example, it says something like, "I read Shonen Jump 14 titles." Like I was doing things like listing 20 chapters of Chainsaw Man as one title. You know, so. So I don't know, Graham. Anyway, so yeah, maybe I'll come back. Maybe I'm. I'm. It's interesting that that it that you find it reassuring and more or less jibes with with who we are on this podcast. You are. You can only be who you are, Jeff. Yes, I. Yes, I. Yes, that's right. Unless I could also, by dint of the internet, be someone else as well, which um, I feel like should be a segue to Don Cherry exiting DC or something, but. I don't. I, I wouldn't know why. His name's Daniel Cherry. Why is it like who is John, Don Cherry? Don Don Cherry is like the musician, right? Like that's why I always get it Wasn't confused. What? What's that? You see, uh, Don Cherry. Let's see. There's Don Cherry, a trumpeter, and there's Don Cherry, who's a Canadian ice hockey commentator. Who, weirdly enough, he's the first one who comes up on on Google. Wow. Well, I was thinking of Don Cherry, the trumpeter, in yes. part because he's got at least two kids. Nina Cherry, and then one of his other oh, cherries. Shit. No, is Nina what? Cherry his, his kid? Yeah, right. Uh, Eagle Eye Cherry, or wait, yeah, Nina I remember Ch- Eagle Eye Cherry. His stepdaughter yeah, is Nina Cherry. Is Nina Cherry and Eagle Eye Cherry. Yeah, right. So there you go. So that's that's part of it. But so yes, my apologies to Daniel Cherry. Ooh, unless it, do we know is Daniel Cherry related to Don Cherry? It's kind of common. It's a, it's a, it's a. I have no idea. All right. Well, we'll just. I know what you mean. I'm going to the internet now and looking at it. Donald Cherry the third. Well, it seems kind of unlikely then, doesn't it? Yeah. Because. Hmm. Well, they could be cousins or something. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Sure. Oh, right. And he's leaving DC Comics for Kanye West. Wow. Right. Let me. T- that, that's a choice. I, I gotta say, there's something where where you there, wake up in the morning, here, isn't there? You're like. You know, the only problem with this job was there was not enough dysfunction. Like, I'm yeah, really thriving on it here. I was looking for something a little less stable. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, there was that. I'm trying to think what else was the news this week. 
there was the Egg Flights of Wolverine thing that I wrote about oh, in the newsletter. Oh, shit! Yes, and because of that, because you mentioned it was Marvel on Marvel Unlimited, I read it about half an hour terrible, before. Isn't it? It's fucking horrible. It is. That is like, some it's, it's serious. Bad. It's bad. I I don't know if I've read anything else from Benjamin Percy before, but like I hope that he like fucking wrote that after an extensive dental procedure or maybe during an extensive dental procedure cuz that shit stunk. I mean, it that's kind of, it's kind of impressive stunk. what 2 3 years after after House uh, not House of X, Powers of 10 and 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 was it House of X? I honestly can't remember. I, I don't know. I mean, Powers of Ten, Swords of Ten, Swords of X. Like yeah, whatever sword... it was called. The, whatever. Yeah. It was House of X. I'm not making that up. It's House I of don't X know. Is it House of X? I think oh, so. Oh, right. The I, debut I, I... series. Yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah. No way. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Hox like, pox. You, you read that, and then, like, three years later, you have something like X-Lays of Wolverine, which is so retrogressive and so celebratory of the convoluted past of the characters that it, it just felt just shocking to me <sighs> shockingly retrogressive yeah and I well think someone who has had real problems with the x books in the last few few months and few years anyway just because mm-hmm. they, I, they've been like impenetrable to me well but, I, right excellence like, of wolverine was terrible well and this is interesting as for me as you know i read we read the Hox Pox. I'm like, I'm going to read the rest of it when it hits Marvel Unlimited. I think I got through X-Men 1 and then wandered off, you know? Because I was just like, eh. And I think you made the right choice. Well, maybe. Maybe not. I mean, certainly no, there's no. a lot of... I think you made the right choice. <laughs> okay, well, yes. I believe I made the right cho- choice, too. But I definitely had a moment of, let's pick up, you know, because it's free and new on the service. Let's pick up X lives of Wolverine and kind of like see, use it as a reentry point, which sort of makes sense to me. Like you've got a new series that's tied to the status quo. Like there's a way that you can sort of dip in and it's, and, and it's really funny in a way to me to be like, Oh wow. They really did do this. Um, All of Hickman's, you know, funky little design stuff is still here um, and and is more or less, I don't know, perhaps cliched. Let's put it this way. Well, like a couple of those memo pages. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny to me that uh, so much of, of what seems new and fresh with Eggman Book now feels its own version yeah. of like cliche and, and overused. Like right. the data pages do, yeah. Honestly, a lot of like the Krakoa stuff in general. Like, did you 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 haven't read? You haven't been keeping up with any of it, right? No, no, I don't think so. No. Um. So Inferno was was taking its last four parts, and uh, you know, on the one hand, I'm I'm kind of impressed at how he put the genie back in the bottle. For for. Kind of, for my money, the major part of his uh, retcon. Hmm. Like, knowing that they're going to keep Krakoa. Uh-huh. Right? Uh, the Moira thing. Uh-huh. Felt, felt like the major part of the, the story. Yeah. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. And so he basically does away with that in Inferno. 
Huh. Uh, and he does it in a way that is certainly logical, mm-hmm. right? And plays into the idea of the X-Men as a political intrigue story. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, again, is so rooted in X-Men continuity mm-hmm. that it's Chekhov's gun, but it's Chekhov's gun where the gun was introduced, I shit you not, 40 years ago. Wow. And so, on the one hand, you know, fair play to you with the long game. Well, yeah, right? But I on mean, the that's other hand, fun. like, it feels, uh, I don't know, it felt weirdly not playing fair, for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe fittingly, considering what X Life's Wolverine feels like. But it felt very much like it was uh, an admission that... The X Men is always going to be trapped by its own past. Hmm. Like that, you can't you can't tell a truly new story with this franchise because this franchise it, it has to be so beholden to its past. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. And, and so, so it's going from that. Like, are you ever going to read it, or should, do you want me to just spoil it for you? Ah, I worry. Weirdly, I'm like I'm worried about the readers, Graham. Uh, listeners, I, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, no, spoil it for me. What the heck? Um, so the the so the whole thing is like you can't kill Moria because if you kill Moria, the timeline starts over. Right. Okay. But also the fact that Moria is not dead and Moria is behind everything is also a secret. In Inferno, long story short, uh, Mystique brings destiny back using the mm-hmm. resurrection protocols this is the thing that moira didn't want because right destiny would essentially know that moira exists um she does but not before xavier and magneto go to emma frost and say we have to let you in on the secret and the letter in on the secret and she is so upset that they didn't tell her earlier mm-hmm. that she then betrays them to mystique and destiny mm. by giving them forge's power neutralizer which depowered mm. Storm back in the 80s. Oh. Which they then use on Moira so that Moira can be killed. Because mm. Moira's not mutant anymore. Interesting. Okay, right. It, right. See, it's, it is. It's a logical idea. Right. right? Mm-hmm. There, there genuinely is something to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's also like, you know, maybe other comics have been talking about the power neutralizer for a while. But otherwise, you know, it it's something that hasn't been talked about for decades. Right. Right. Well, but that's, how do I put it? Like, I don't know. I mean, so much, let's put it this way. The thing about X lives Wolverine, X lives of Wolverine is I thought that it just part, like you, you talk about it being uh, retrogressive and, and, I guess I wasn't really tracking that in the sense of it just stunk. You know what I mean? Like I just thought it was poorly, poorly told and handled and I more or less got the gist of it, but it just like did a remarkable job of, um, just flogging a dead horse for like pages and pages and pages. I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it. Like, it's amazing with x Wolverine that I can be like, okay, I'm not entirely sure that I know what's going on, but I get it. Get to the point, you know? And it just kept going and going. And part of it's just the shit that is that some of the captions are horrible, some of the dialogue in people's mouth, some of the art's underwhelming. But just 
overall, despite with everything else that is going on, I guess I just, to me, one thing that was X Lives Wolverine is like, oh right, you you can only, um, so much of it is the execution, like, and I think you talk about the history of, you know, bringing something that's forty years old out, and I'm like, okay, that's kind of my, um. Like I, I think as as a as a superhero universe continuity fan, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know how much you can necessarily um, shit on that stuff if they, you know, use the established continuity of the thing. I guess, yeah, which I, is my I, I little know. pet I'm peeve. Not sure, I, I'm not even sure that I am shitting on it as much as like, I guess, and for want of a better way of putting it, I feel like I had bought into the idea that like this was something different. Uh huh. Right, and then for the resolution to be a piece of continuity that's forty years old, it felt like very much the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, but I mean, doesn't it? I mean, it, like you said, it's kind of putting the genie back in the bottle, which is part of the. Um, isn't that in its own way part of the, um. Uh, itself kind of yeah yeah in a way like you can't like you said you're like yeah this stuff is is always going to be beholden to its own past and it's like well yeah but that's i sort of feel like that's x-men like the problem the problems with x-men even is hickman did everything in his power to let's put it this way if hoxpox had just been spun out into two x-men series i'm pretty sure i would have read it you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, well, it's, it's literally like eight, isn't it? I at least. I mean, it's like between eight and fourteen or something. I don't know. Once you throw in the crossover events, but it it just. I mean, it makes sense. It's a, on the one hand, it quote unquote makes sense from a the the financials sense of the term. But like, part of me is like. I'm not. I'm not going to read eight X Men titles because I was interested in this reboot. I'm just not. And maybe I can read two of them. But there's something that's kind of weirdly. I don't know. You know. Again, sort of in that same way of like, am I am I hoarding? Am I collecting? You know what I mean? Like, am I reading or am I trying to to put enough investment into this so that I just don't feel like a total sap. Like, I feel like the way to, to, to surmount all of those obstacles is, you know, have a, a, a small number of titles that are affordable that everyone can buy. So you could be a complete junkie and, and, you know, and, and buy all 40 titles for, eight dollars or whatever and um because i'm going back to my own childhood or or you know you just you have something that's a little more i guess streamlined or whatever but i really do have that thing of like i just had to nope nope right out of the x titles because i just i'm like i'm not i'm not i don't even have this space in my life to try all eight of the first issues and be like oh i like this i don't like that and plenty of people have done that and are doing that and and god bless them you know it's it was apparently kind of a successful thing but for me when you look at what hickman was doing with x-men like i think that there's a number of ways that 
that that what he did was was kind of really impressive in that he figured out what you know kind of a quote-unquote genuinely new direction so much so that people were like i don't think that i think these are they're all bad guys now they're all villains they're all sex having villains uh, right no you know sex having villains <laughs> I think that's I think that's the way you use oh that God. term. So, <laughs> you know, and so I just, you know, they're doing the sex. And so I just I think that there's uh uh you know, ultimately I feel in the same way like that the the X universe defeated Chris Claremont, you know, by which I mean every mechanism for Taking something and making it successful in comics means that you will you will engineer the success right out of it, you yeah, know, yeah. and I and and I think that's probably the secret to most mass media entertainment now is is like, you know, you if it, it, it like any organism it just grows and grows and grows and grows and then suddenly you know it mutates to the point where it's. Wow! See, it's almost like a it's almost it's like a mutant metaphor. Did you get it? I it was news to me, Graham. Um, anyway, <laughs> it, it, like plan that one out. <laughs> <laughs> That's very kind of you, Graham. I appreciate you throwing me the softball there. They're like you're like yeah. Oh, that was that was accidental, Jeff. Like you're like yeah, yeah. It's all accidental with you, Jeff. I know it's not a it's not a big deal. Um. Yeah, so Hick, Hickman's going to get defeated by by the machine in a way. Um, I, it's it's interesting that you had a disappointment in it, even though I mean, like part of me is like, if I was playing comic book analyst, I'd be like, well, what did what what would you have wanted in a way? You know, would you what would you would you have wanted the X Men? Would you have wanted the Myra thing to? go loopier or remain unresolved or would you you've wanted i mean i personally think it's insane that they're going to take a whole bunch of people capable of mind wiping someone and then you know not mind wipe them you know but that's just me not understanding how things go i think the dog's trying to come in oh hey look it's a pug um sadly you can't see the pug Graham, i love that but... we're both interrupted by dogs tonight yeah, that's pretty great. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, but yeah, um, dogs before bogs or whatever, however the saying goes. Uh, Graham, I feel like I'm just I'm just blab blabbing. What else do you want to blab blab about? Unless you want more X Men thing. Unless you want to tell me, tell me, Graham, what's your ideal X Men scenario that would have resulted? I I don't know. I, I mm -hmm. genuinely don't know. I don't know what I was expecting from from Inferno. Mm -hmm. I, that's not true. I think I got what I was expecting from Inferno because okay. you know Hickman had more or less said like I've left because the the other creators want to keep going with the status quo, right? And so like it did that, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it did exactly what Hickman had basically teased it as doing. Mm -hmm. um, I think what I wanted was something more akin to House of X again, which is to say it left everything in a whole new status quo. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and the idea that X Lives of Wolverine is going to set up a new status quo feels I don't know. Like again, I know you're not keeping up with things on Marvel Unlimited, but Marvel Unlimited just dropped the first couple of issues of Spider Man Beyond, which mm-hmm. is like the deep breath nineteen chapter filler that sets up the next status quo of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Right? And the first issue is really uh, I don't know. It's kind of surprising how tired it feels. Mm-hmm. Because it brings back Ben Riley, and more or less it's like, maybe Peter Parker's going to die and Ben Riley's going to be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm sure we've done this at least a couple of times by now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and on the one hand, everything's been done for these characters because there's been so many stories. Mm-hmm. But on the other, there's got to be something else, really, right? Right. Right. That, that can be done. I mean, I have to say, like, uh, to return to, at, at the at the risk of tripping up your point, what struck me about the ex-lives of Wolverine is I'm like, I have no idea how they can be getting anything like a status quo out of this. A, a quote-unquote new status quo. Like, I think one of the things that was perverse about um about Hickman's Hoxpox was how it just was like um ridiculously additive you know what i mean like and i have no idea where the x lives slash x deaths of wolverine is going but you know it certainly seems as if uh spoilers the x lives of wolverine makes it seem like the event is um terminator but with Charles Xavier is Sarah Connor and Wolverine as Reese and Omega Red as the Terminator and and it's and it really does seem just about that doll with with a little bit of the gist of I guess is that Wolverine is traveling through time by traveling to his previous like they're putting his mind in his previous body He's quantum which, leaping. Right. Well, or he's 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 like, isn't that what they did for the X Men Days of Future Past movie? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, Which is, the, yes, but also like it's it's X Men Days of Future Past, right? Right. Well, oh, right. Do they do they throw his brain back into? They, it's his... not Wolverine. It's, it's, oh, it's Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride. Right. Of course, you're right. 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 Oh my goodness, Graham. Thank you. Thank you so much for the closure on that. Uh, but yeah, no, the Spider-Man Ben Riley thing, like, I guess as someone who kind of missed the Spider-Clone era, um, I don't, I have no real kind of investment in it, in a way. And so the idea is, like, I know that Ben Riley has a whole bunch of fans, and is from what I can tell, they're, they all work on Marvel editorial you know what I mean? Because it just... Because I feel like they brought the character back, like, just less than five years ago. And, like, they it brought didn't the really go anywhere. A bunch. And yeah. the character, not only did he recently have a Scarlet Spider series, but right. he's also currently appearing in the Iron Man book as a, as a supporting character. Wow, has really? has like, a year. Oof. Jeez. Huh. Um, and it's still there, by right. the way. Good. It's still in that book. Wow, really? Yeah. Hmm. That that editorial may want to may want to yeah. check itself before it wrecks itself. The um 
That's my favorite line from Usher's Confessions, by the way. <laughs> um, the, the Iron Man book is like weirdly out of sync with everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way that is kind of great. Because mm. it feels like something that might just be happening in its own like alternate universe. And I mm. would not be surprised if that ends up being the finale of it. Right. Oh. Ooh. Are you mm. reading it? No, I'm not. You've said good things about it. Um, Tony Stark yeah. has essentially become like a god <laughs> in huh. space. Hmm. Uh, but he's there with like characters who have since appeared like on Earth entirely differently. Wow. Okay. So yeah, maybe they are doing something kind of different there. Or who knows, maybe Marvel continuity is kind of... Um, Fucked. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Like, I, I was reading uh, uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers, uh, and and that for itself has been teetering for a long time on this is only happening in its own continuity and and is not touching on anything else. And that you seems... Think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I could, be, I could be wrong, but that's certainly how it feels like to me. Um, is, is that Aaron's just like... Because there's a lot of stuff going on where he's you know he's he's more or less telling stories in which thor's mother may be the phoenix and and uh tony stark's father is you know an so is, the of satan right is an agent of mephisto at this point and those are those are kind of pretty bigish things that would shock me if they're even being mentioned in either of those main titles. You know what I mean? So so yeah, part of me is at just... at the same time, yeah. like, Iron's Adventures is tied in with, like, War of the Realms and, and actual crossovers. And it's about oh. to head into a crossover with X-Books and Eternals. I mean, sure. I mean, I'll take your word for it. But I'm just saying, reading it, and it's not been a problem. Like, yeah, whatever the whatever the... War of the Realms crossover, or whatever it seemed, it it all seemed pretty minor. Like like Aaron's stuff, it all seemed sort of self-contained. But my point being, like, it does feel like Marvel continuity is fucked in that sense. Is like you know, I oh my god, like the last issue of Al Ewing's Defenders, of course, came out, and that was fabulous. I really liked it. I look forward to what you have to say if you've read it and i'm sure you have i i, but, I have not actually i'm like two issues ooh. behind them oh well i'm really curious what you think because i think the the last two issues are the book really built built up a good head of steam with me but i i like the end of defenders five a lot but i also found myself being like yeah i guess i'd be kind of confused if i was following the other I don't know. I mean, how many how many Doctor Strange books are being published? Like twenty? Like fifteen? Uh, Four? Uh, all, isn't he dead? Eleven? Well, that's it. I kind of had that thing of like, oh, good old Doctor Strange. Like he's front and center in this story. And then I keep seeing all this stuff of like the death of Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is dead. El Muerte, uh, Doctor Strangeante. You know. And I'm just El like, Muerte, I don't. El, El, oh God, Estrano. Poor Estrano. Poor Estrano. Let me tell you, reading those new Guardians, man. Woof, Graham, you told me. And I gotta tell you, I I loved the first issue by Englehart so much more 
in a way. Than, like, than everything else, right? Yeah, and I mean, like, the second issue is plotted by him, and God knows, internet sensation Snowflame totally lives up to it. But, like, issue three is kind of... It's... it. I mean, it's goofy, but it's sort of goofy in, like, a mm, way. Like, the weird thing about to me about Englehart is how much he really... You know, like that first issue is kind of a real kind of, it's a weird punch in the balls. You know what I mean? Like he's like, 1988, it's a hell of a year. You know, like it's just that weird Englehart writing incredibly jaunty prose, which ends up with like, you know, three people infected with AIDS potentially by the end of the first issue. And he's like, yep, a hell of a year. And I sort of like that kind of idea of like, wow, he's going to do some weird jaunty stuff with it. I also see why they were also kind of like, after reading the plot from issue two, <laughs> being like, they were okay, like no. <laughs> no, we have to get you away from this book. He's like, no, don't worry. It's all setting up a very tasteful orgy in issue three. And then in issue four, the orgy has led them to cosmic consciousness. And they're like, no, Steve, this is, n- this is never happening. And he's like, I read this fucking issue of Swamp Thing. He totally had a cosmic consciousness sex scene. I want one too. It's like, no, no. He's like, fine, I'm fucking doing Coyote. Fuck all of you. That's that's exactly how it went down as well. Oh, I know. I sorry. And for everyone who doesn't know, I was actually reading the transcript. Uh... You're reading the letters <laughs> column, right? <laughs> the letters column. <laughs> uh, anyway, poor old is it Carrie Bates who's writing it? Yeah, who um, takes over? And, yeah. you know, bless him. He tries, but he never comes up to the, the same level as Engelhart. Uh, in part because he is so much closer to the, the status quo. And mm-hmm. in part because when he does try and go big, he mm-hmm. does it in a really dull way. Uh, right. You know, there, there's issue seven is going to be around in like a month or so, I guess, because they're doing it weekly. And right. let's just say that the resolution of the HIV storyline, and in particular the resolution of, of Harbinger's storyline, is just kind of gutless in a way that that's horrible <laughs> i'm sorry to hear that i'm laughing because i'm like wow you're right he really is of the era um yeah huh okay well that's something as you would say to look forward to question mark <laughs> yes very much it's very much a look forward to question mark yeah yeah Okay, uh, but well, that, that also yeah. that issue is also the the one where they they decided that they couldn't uh, that America was not ready for you know Queen Nostrano, and so they tried make him butcher. Oh, it's a it, that is a shame because the character is is kind of is definitely delightful in the first two or three I, issues. Yes, yeah, I genuinely love that version of Nostrano, the one yeah. who's really just a bitchy queen. I think is is a delight is such a fun character and i wish like had just been you know a remarkable success and had you know seven spin-off books <laughs> right definitely well the thing that i like which i guess i was after hearing the description is extrano is very bitchy to his enemies but he's super nurturing to other members of the team like he's a very big-hearted character which i think is again sort of in a way a bit of a stereotype but it also is it's also kind of lovely 
You know what I mean? Like I, I do like that. And, and the weird, like, you know, he's, he's got his, um, what is Betty's actual thing? She's like a Aboriginal dream time familiar or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Steve but... Englehart, bless him, is trying to be like, you know, I am in touch with other people's cultures and does it in like the most cat-handed way possible. So she is, uh, she, uh, because she is Australian, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, she she is uh, of Aboriginal descent. She dis- uh, ascends, as you say, into the dream time. <laughs> I can only talk to the world through Estrado. Right. Okay. Great. Oh, so she was a separate guardian because I had that thing yes, of no, not... she, no. She yeah. She is one of so Millennium, which as you know I love dearly. And I have to say, the fact that DC Universe does not have it available is a war crime, practically. Right, especially when you're adding new guardians. Why do we? Yes, like it's a huge gap. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's really kind of weirdly frustrating and vague, Um, just annoying. Anyway, sorry, but yes, Millennium. I totally forgot that she that she Uh, was an actual guardian. She's one of the chosen in Millennium. Right, right, okay. That makes sense. Also, I gotta say, there's a whole bunch of, like, I'm shocked by how much of the white supremacy stuff, which Englehart really goes heavy on with the South African villain, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is too, like, it's just way too timely. Like, that. that's part of what kind of sucked for me, you know what I mean? Like, was kind of that weird thing of, like, wow, the, to me, it, it is probably an argument, you know... Th- I swear to God, if there's one meme that's incredibly tired on Twitter, it's the person who's, you know, being like, yeah, why did they put the politics in my comics? And they, you know, have a, they've got the, you know, Captain America punching Hitler from Captain America one or whatever. But I do think that weirdly enough, it's, um, having, having genuine tied to the times content is, kind of great when you have it uh, and by great i mean kind of depressing but it but makes when the work feel meaningful like later. yeah like 30 or 40 yeah. years later and you're like I, I've, I've said it before like one of my favorite things about millennium and, and new guardians is it's a story it says the future of humanity is this diverse group of people but the only straight white man there is a white supremacist who's like, fuck the future of humanity. I don't like it if it includes all of you. I'm going to try and destroy it. Right. And like, I think right. that's genuinely great. I think that's yeah. a really, you know, enjoyable, but also smart story point. It is a smart story vil- point. Yeah. That your right. villain is someone who's like, no, I like the status quo as it is. Mm-hmm. I don't want this diversity in the future. I will try my best to destroy it. Right. Right. And it is, it's, I mean, the thing that's interesting is, of course, how much were, um, you know, as America did in the late 80s, Englehart neatly transfers all of that to an international front and doesn't make it seem like, you know, it's, it's not like America turned into a racist mess overnight. You know what I mean? No, or no, no. Even but, you know, in by, the by, forty but by years, doing it like 
he is the head of, of uh, you know, South Africa, then right. he it kind of sidesteps all of that stuff, you know? Oh, exactly. It's perfect. He doesn't have to worry about the infamous um, newsstand dealers in the South who are supposedly super sensitive about this stuff. So, um, yeah, no, New Guardians is 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 a trip and a half. And I'm sorry, did you have a point before I was like, oh, my God, New Guardians is great? Um, uh, I If I did, I've completely forgotten it. Graham McMillan. And I, will hap- I will happily just talk about New Guardians instead because New Guardians exactly. is a joy. Um, we're we're getting close to the two hour mark. And, we know, are. Gonna... I don't understand how that happened. But really. what I was going to say really, really quickly before we go is, you know, we both mentioned Milestone tonight. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, I've been reading the newer Milestone stuff mm-hmm. rather than the, the older stuff. Although I've been reading a, a chunk of the older stuff myself re- recently right. as well. Mm-hmm. But um, the have you read any of the newer stuff? All of which is available in DC Universe, I should say. I think the only thing I read was the sampler um, that came out, uh, and I forgot until your newsletter that they, that it's day and date the new stuff. So, yeah. honestly, I should be tracking that stuff more. Um, so because one of the things is I. It's funny. So there's three series. There's there's um, hardware icon and static. Except mm-hmm. Icons now, Icon and Rocket, which, let's be honest, it should have been all along. Yeah. Um, all of them written by different people from the originals. Um, but hardware is still drawn by Dennis Cowan. Uh, although it's now Dennis Cowan and Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh, right. Co-drawn. Which is, what a great time. Which is a joy, team. right? Yeah. Um, but what's really interesting is seeing how the new writers basically reboot the properties. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Hardware's first issue is incredibly close, incredibly close to the the opening of the original Hardware series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have Icon, which, again, is really close mm-hmm. because it's telling the origin of these two characters. And for that matter, the origin is, is relatively, you know, tracks with the original. Mm-hmm. The origin of Static, however... Mm. tracks insofar as he gets the power of from the big bang and his first villain is the same but almost everything else is different hmm. and the ways in which it's different are really smart choices to update that character hmm. the, the the dynamic virgil has with his family is entirely different hmm. uh the dynamic he has with his friends is different hmm. and in every respect it's a it's a superior change. And I say that as someone who thinks that the first like year of the original static series is one of the best Spider-Man comics that's ever been published. Right. Right. But so, it, so how and why, how and why what? Sorry. How do, how is it different? And uh, so why is it smart? Better? He, uh, first of all, his powers are not really secret. Mm-hmm. Like by the end of I think issue two or maybe issue three, his family know he has the powers, mm-hmm. uh, and so do two of his friends. Okay. As opposed to the original, it's just Frida. Frida's right. his, his you know wannabe love interest who never quite gets there is right. is um, is the only one who knows, mm-hmm. right? And that's not the case here. But mm-hmm. even outside of that, he has a very different relationship with his father, with his mother, and especially with his sister. The sister is like the comic foil in the original series. They're, they right. bicker, they banter, 
And, mm-hmm. you know, you can tell they love each other, but they don't necessarily like each other. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. that's not the case in this new series at all. Mm. The, the, the older sister is incredibly supportive of Virgil. And, and yes, they bicker, and yes, she gives him shit, and yes, he gives her shit. But the idea is that Vita seems to be going with is Virgil's actually traumatized by being in the Big Bang this time. Hmm. And he has changed as a result. And his family are all worried about him. Mm-hmm. Right? And then when he basically shows that he has these powers as a result, like, they're very concerned and very protective. Hmm. So at one point, the government show up and they're basically like, okay, where's your son? You know, we know this happened and, and we want to do this for his own good. And his parents are just like, no, we are not, like, strangely enough, as a black family in America, we're not going to give our son to the authorities. Right, right, exactly, exactly. We have you know, no that, interest that's in the not government. Going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we we are doing this to protect our son, and so you get this this really nice spin where the secret identity is almost a thing of the past, mm-hmm. but the book feels, if anything, even more centered around Virgil as a as Virgil as was static. Mm. So in other words, and, and, and I'm sorry, this is a, a, a crass way of putting it, but it is, it hews closer to the superhero movie template than to the superhero comic template. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, it seems very smart. Yeah, it does seem very smart. It, it, it's just, it's a very nice updating. And don't get me wrong, like hard, the hardware and icon updatings are also good. I very much miss Dwayne McDuffie in both, and that's not yeah. really... An insult on on Brandon Thomas, who writes hardware, or or uh, Reginald Hudland, who's writing Icon and Rocket. It's just that honestly, McDuffie's like was really fucking good. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, and had a a lightness of touch and a way with character that honestly, the, the these other writers don't quite have the same thing. Uh, yeah. Thomas is doing interesting stuff with hardware. He's turning it more into. Um, He's kind of pivoting away from the Iron Man of it all mm-hmm. in a way that I think is probably only sensible now. Hudland mm. uh, has, has a really interesting thing happening in Icon, where the villain is seems to be at least John Johns, or at least is a shape-changing alien called the Manhunter from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Albeit like an evil one. You know, a, sure, a genuinely right. amoral evil one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also the implication is that, like, the, the reason Icon crashed on Earth in the first place was because his ship was attacked by this alien. Mm. Hmm. In the first place. So this is like an ongoing, uh, an ongoing thing. And also, interesting enough, this alien has been around since Icon landed the first time. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, uh, you know, Hudland retells the backstory of Icon at one point, and it's like, no, he he did try and end slavery. He tried mm. to kill the slave, the slave owners. Mm. Like he he aggressively did this, mm-hmm. and then he was attacked by this other alien who was like, no, I am upholding the status quo. I like mm-hmm. the status quo. It works for me. You don't get to do that. Right. Right. You know, which, which is. Yeah, a smart a smart choice in some ways, I think. Um, it's it's an interesting thing. It adds more of a 
um, singular narrative, I guess, mm. to, to Icon. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, there is, like, there is literally a good guy and a bad guy of the series so far. Well, and, and I think it's... I think there's a good idea... Uh, how do I put it? I didn't get very far down the Icon path. I think I read, essentially, what was collected in what would have been the first you know the recent trade the first trade yeah 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 first four or five issues or whatever and the the things that i liked about there's a lot of things that i liked that mcduffie was doing with icon that seemed either uh would but that seemed super thorny i guess and one of those things is is that he's kind of a superman character who doesn't really have um doesn't really have a nemesis, you know, in those first couple of issues like it's sort of uh the the god bless Dwayne McDuffie. One of the things that's really great about Icon and follows on from some of the stuff that he was doing like for example in Deathlock is he's really interested in trying to talk talk about and explore black culture. You know, and so I think that for me anyway, reading reading Icon and Rocket and seeing, you know, literally the generation gap in African Americans at that time, like kind of dramatically personified, you know, in the sense of Icon was someone who is fiscal is conservative in every sense. I guess. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that is something that I feel McDuffie saw in you know older generations that went through things that the new generation couldn't really quite wrap their brain around in the same way. And and so seeing the conflict between Icon and Rocket um I think is also a way of him pointing to a very sympathetic criticism of that, of quote unquote icons generation, you know? Um, And I think that that is something that uh, it's a little, it's a, it's a little harder to sell the character in a way, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a great way to talk about stuff and it very much is a very singular vision, which is great. But I think when you sort of start mapping it onto, like, oh yeah, now we're going to have Icon and Rocket, and it's on a, and it's you know, it it basically a whole nother generation has passed. Like it just some of the stuff seems a little stranger. I don't know. Um, so anyway, all of which is to say, it makes sense. Um, I'll be you know to give. Icon both a nemesis and also a way to to retcon him so that he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like any good, decent human being, you know, who even got the slightest taste of it, he's he would have tried to stop slavery and, he, and then he was thwarted, you know, is kind of, I don't know, it could work. It could work. I don't have a lot of trust for uh, about with Hudlin. I guess as a comic book writer still, but I don't know. I could see myself checking it out. Let's put it that way. I mean, again, it's on DCU, which you're, you're subscribed to. So yeah. So right. Kind of, why not? You know? Right. 
all, all you have to lose is the Titan. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Which, thank goodness for us, Graham, is abundant, plentiful, and free. And there will always be more. So, yeah, it's great. Until um, there is not. Dum, dum, dum. I do want to mention, at some point, I'm probably going to bore you about the Conan the Barbarian stuff that I'm reading. Because it's really... I will tell you one thing, Graham, and maybe this is it. Maybe we won't move beyond this. But one thing that was kind of wild with Conan reading literally from issue 57 through 84, which I guess is something like, you know, three three years of Conan strips from like 75 through 77 is um, it has no thought balloons uh, and it has no... Um, sound effects with the exception of if somebody if somebody grunts, yells or hollers uh, the artist, which is almost always John Basima, but in a few cases is Howard Chaikin tasked with sort of telling stories like John Basima mm-hmm. um, will there will be like lettered sound effects for people's screams but all of the big big stuff like exploding ships or falling temples or all of that stuff is all is all weirdly sound effect free i thought you would appreciate that considering how much of that stuff we tend to lay at the feet of mr alan moore and and what you know what he what came after watchmen but roy thomas is doing it as a stylistic choice back in 1975 quite possibly earlier i've got to go back and start reading some of the other material um and puts all of uh put pretty much puts everyone's caption perhaps because he's adapting robert e howard material and he wants the stuff to feel a bit more readerly and then of course you get into basimas and basimas draw uh, wanting to draw more like prince valiant and the sort of storytelling strips but there's a lot there's a lot more stuff happening in captions like the Conan's thoughts are always told in the third person and in captions. Um, and I thought that that was surprisingly um, a surprise. I, I've got to admit, I'm sad that stuff's not on Marvel Unlimited. I, uh, I am too. I am more, too. More than once. I've thought if at least the more, the more recent stuff was on Marvel Unlimited, I would have uh-huh. checked it out, but it, yeah. but, it's not. I'm guessing that's some sort of licensing thing, but it yeah. is something that I wish I, I could basically have access to for free, just to sample. I'm not. I'm not a big Conan fan. I've not really enjoyed a lot of it. Yeah. But I'm super curious, especially after reading so much Star Wars this week. I'm super curious mm-hmm. to see what the Marvel books are like. I like the, well, the he, you know, well, yeah, like, again, right. They they share right. like Jason Aaron's there. You right. know, it, it, they. I, 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 I'm Although, really, I am. I'm really curious to see how they make a Marvel book out of it, especially right. the way that, you know Marvel is now. But mm-hmm. it's 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 not to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, my understanding, and maybe I'm wrong, is is like, wasn't it that it was going to be Jason Aaron and Jim Zub doing alternating arcs, and then Aaron just is still hasn't come back, right? It's been Zub pretty much Aaron the whole came, Aaron way came back for, for... He's doing a new series right now. Oh, is he? Hmm. Yeah, King Conan is his series. 
Oh, okay. Well, eh, sure, sure. That's a different series. No, no, no. I, they were supposed to be doing different alternating arcs on the Conan book. I, I, th- I thought Iron was only doing a year and then he was done. Well, that's certainly the way that it turned out. But maybe, and maybe that's it. Maybe I misunderstood what the editor was saying. Is like, oh, and Aaron's going to be back with King Conan. And he is. Um, yeah, Aaron's stuff was interesting. Jim Zub's stuff was fine and then i wandered off and i don't think i'll ever be back but um it's funny reading the roy thomas stuff i'm like yeah i can tell like there were the whole issues where i'm like graham and chloe would just be making fun of this shit so hard I, i'm like, sure we would yes absolutely there's <laughs> very little doubt in my mind so i don't think you know it's you know it's not I mean, unless you have a secret history as a Hawk the Slayer fan or something like that. I don't, I, I think don't that... although you know the Hawk the Slayer thing, right? Uh, I mean, I know that Hawk the Slayer's a thing. Are you? Or is this where you tell me that your dad was Hawk the Slayer? Is that... This is when I tell you that Garth Ennis is writing a sequel to Hawk the Slayer right now. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. I, yeah. That part I did know, which I yeah. found kind of awesome and hilarious. And, you know, good good for him. Honestly, uh, I kind of got to get, I kind of give it, give it up for Garth Ennis because I think there's something really funny, like that, that God bless him. He will do the stuff that he, um, that he has a fanboy affection for, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and he's, that, that, like, again, Garth Ennis is, is very much not my speed. but when you see him do shit like Hulk Flair, you're like, God bless you. Exactly, exactly. You know, the fact that he did Dastardly and Muttley or whatever, it was like fucking great. I still haven't read that. I should hunt it up on DCU, but I'm just like, you know, that's that's right on in my book, damn it. The, the moral um, of this story is, uh, this episode is 100%. You should be doing more DCU stuff. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I... I Yes, I guess that's, is that the moral? It's, I, I don't know, Graham. I feel like that's a particular moral. <laughs> I feel like that's a very Graham McMillan-esque moral to take from it. I don't think that that was the moral I would have concluded with, but okay. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, so, I it you know, we're at 2.15 almost, or, well, 2.10 by the time we edit out some stuff, I'm sure. So... Uh, Graham, yeah, do you want to start, start close this joint out? Uh, mm-hmm. Which means that I am going to say that uh, there will be show notes to this podcast up uh, probably by the time you, you hear this on waitwhatpodcast.com. Uh, follow us at waitwhatpodcast on Twitter. Jeff is on Twitter account at lazybastid at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. Uh, I have a Twitter account at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And uh, we're a Patreon-supported podcast, which means Jeff is going to talk to you right now about that. Yes, I am. Um, Patrons, you guys are great. Uh, I'm sorry. All the listeners are great. All of you, you're all great. I was going to say, are you creating like a tiered thing to make everyone else feel terrible? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I realized. I was like, oh, shit. See, this is the thing. You always make me do the Patreon talk, but you always have very strong thoughts about what I'm supposed to say about the Patreon talk. All, all, I, all I would say, Jeff, all, if it were me, I'd just mm-hmm. say thank fuck for all of you who listen to us. <laughs> yes! Because Good let's point. be honest, Jeff, we tried the patience. <laughs> let's, let's just put it out there. Oh, hold on. You. 
At first, I thought it was going to be "Sex Having Bad Guys" was going to be the title of the um, episode, but well, but no, we, we tried the patience. patience. <laughs> yeah, I think that's we pretty the good. The, no, come on, it's got to be "Sex Having Bad Guys." That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> no, like I, as as you were saying, Jeff, like uh, you know, patrons, thank you very much. Like you, you go an extra distance, and and it's it's humbling and flattering every single month. Mm-hmm. It is. It absolutely is. See? Okay. All right. But yes. Yeah. The fact that the exactly the fact that we tried the patients and there are those people who not only indulge us but actually, such as it were, reward us is um is is deeply humbling and and kind of helps keep us on track. Such as it is. Uh, as as you know, like Drock, we are. Graham, we're getting we're getting near the end of Drock. We're in we're in we're in the end times for Drock, right? Okay. Do you want me to blow your mind? Yeah. We're not. I mean, we are in that we are on uh, the next volume. We'll do is uh, volume thirty-two. Right. But they're already up to volume thirty-eight. But that's what I'm saying. That's like that's like six episodes away. And they'll probably get squeeze out another volume. And they'll probably get probably get at least two more before we get there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but I think by which point we're going to be in two thousand four. I think right, right, two thousand five. Right. At which point, Jeff, this is where I do blow your mind. We theoretically could just keep reading the digital two thousand ADs that are there. The uh the digital two thousand ADs? Wait, you yeah, mean wait they started digitally releasing oh. two thousand AD and they're available on the two thousand AD website. Like in two thousand four, two thousand five. Like I think they're actually gonna close the loop. Holy shit. Okay. Um that does blow my mind. Cause yeah, I'm like it's really weird. I realized that at Christmas and I was like, This is genuinely strange. Like mm. in in theory could someone read Every single Judge Dredd story published uh, in 2003 in the magazine, and I think the answer is yes now. Wow. Holy cow. Also, the idea of that being us is... Um, You're like, I'm, please don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like, Papa needs a drinky. So, uh, well, yeah. But, but it's worth saying that we also had discussed doing like another few episodes afterwards, just reading some of the not case files collections, but other collections in the right. era that comes afterwards. Yeah. Uh, that's... I would like to do that. I'd like to read day of chaos. Uh, right. I'd like you to read origins of nothing else. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually with you. I think that between another three or six issues to kind of dip our toes into the best of the storylines and, and, you know, and the big storylines and, and being able to, yeah, no, believe me, I think that sounds great. Like part of me, part of me is like a little daunted, especially realizing my focusing problems on the idea of like, oh yeah, we'll just read, you know, (laughs) Only the dread material from 2000 AD from 2004, but you'll have all the issues of 2000 AD. I'm like, that is going to kill me. That would never, I would not, I would not have the focus to pull that off. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I prefer your, I prefer the plan B, which is actually the plan A. Uh, anyway. Yeah. We got Drock. We did the Baxter building. Sorry. The Baxter building. We did Baxter building. We're going to be doing something else. Thanks to the Patreon stretch goal that made us stretch ourselves. 
So, oh my thank god, you. I, lo- I love that. By which I mean, maybe not, Jeff. <laughs> you mentioned no. Trust me. Oh no, wait. Yes. You, you should finish, and then I'll I'll spin off to where I was going to go. Yeah, you you put a, a little thumbtack because I feel like it is not really a Patreon shout out without also mentioning our grand patron Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for her continuing support of this podcast and and the cosmos that's kind of a big deal so thank you we're incredibly grateful to everyone graham so first of all i owe david Wolken a text mm. david if you're listening to this you'll understand why when i say what i'm about to say when clay was on this podcast for in fact more than once we've talked about our love for the show below deck the, yes. the Bravo reality show. You, in fact, have right. watched a Below Deck because of this. Mm-hmm. Is it Below David Deck Wolken, or Below Deck? Who is? Um, deck. It is. Yes. Below, no, it's Below Deck. Singular. Really? Okay. Yes. Great. All right. Thank you. All right. Um, mm-hmm. David Wolken. Yes. Uh, started watching Below Deck because of that, and then moved on to the Bravo Motherload, oh, Real no. Housewives. Ooh. Right. And he started texting me going, have you seen Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? And, wow. like, I hadn't. But also, mm-hmm. as soon as he started texting that, Chloe was like, this is great. I've always wanted to get into Real Housewives. David has basically <laughs> given us an excuse to do this. Wow. Shit got in the way. Right? Mm-hmm. And we didn't get to start it until, like, you know, last week, maybe the week before. Mm-hmm. Two things. One... The next time Chloe's in this podcast, we are 100% going to talk about it. To the point where Chloe basically said, I can't talk about it too much on the podcast because she has to be here when we talk about it properly. <clears throat> but Jeff, you've never seen our Real Housewife show, right? No. So the it's, it's a reality show. It's about, you know, utterly ridiculous people. Real Housewives yes. of Salt Lake City is amazing. In particular because they... Uh, Half the cast are, are former Mormons. Wow. Uh, but the the way the show goes is there's an opening title and it shows each, you know, of the housewives. And uh-huh. they, they're in, like, their glamorous dress and they're twirling for the camera. And they get a catchphrase. Oh, no way. Okay? Really? Yes. That sounds pretty cool. One of, one of the catchphrases is so bad, it has become maybe my favorite line of dialogue ever spoken on television. <laughs> okay? I, I, okay. And now I know how up. you got here. Uh-huh. Okay. These are I'm sitting. Up. Okay. okay. One of them is, in this town, I'm, Q, I'm uh, Queen Bee and MVP. That's fine. Sure. Uh, jealousy is a disease to which I say get well soon is another one. Oh. <laughs> Here's maybe the greatest line of dialogue ever spoken on television. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Like my pioneer ancestors before me, I'm trying to blaze a new trail. What? Wow. Like pioneer ancestors before me. I'm trying okay. to blaze a new trail. And not only like as a sentence, does it not necessarily make sense? But <laughs> I realized after watching it, like I, I, like, I can't even do the skip intro because I'm hypnotized by that sentence. Oh, also, they change between seasons and season two. She's now saying, I was raised a Mormon, but now I'm raising a glass of champagne. 
Oh, okay. First off, I I see why my cheesy line made yes. you think of this. Okay, but like I mean, ancestors, ancestors before me. <laughs> I'm trying to blaze a new trail. Trying to blaze new trails. I mean, what does that even mean in this context? Exactly. And then I realized, you know what it is? It's He Man. <laughs> By the power of Rayskull, I have the power. Oh. Has the same cadence. <laughs> And so literally now I'm just like I can imagine him just like flexing in front of the camera. I go right. by the power of Grayskull. I have the power. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. it's right. it's amazing. It it honestly makes Below Decks look subtle. Um, but the genuinely like breathtaking thing is so they're all in their own ways terrible people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. One of them in particular is particularly terrible and self-involved, and her mm-hmm. name is Jen Sha. Okay? Mm-hmm. Spoilers! You'll never watch this. Most of the people listening to this are not going to watch this, but you'll understand what I'm about to say. Between the first season and second season, when they're filming the second season of the show, which is a reality show, mm-hmm. while they're filming, Jen Sha gets arrested by the feds for money laundering schemes. Wow. This happens on the show. In fact, it's the first scene of the second season. Well, yeah. And then they're like two months earlier, but it's such a good opener that you're like, what the living shit? Right? right? And you can only imagine the producers just genuinely pissing themselves. They're like, they happen to lock into this. Yeah, and right. Her name is Jen Sha, I remember. So she's the one who in the first season says, in this town, I'm, I'm Queen being MVP. Uh-huh. Second season starts with her literally getting a phone call while on a bus with the other Real Housewives and going, I have to leave. Getting in a car and driving off and then the police show up and they're like, we're looking to arrest Jensha. <laughs> right? Wow. Is, I mean, you could not imagine a better opener. And then it cuts to the credits, and she's the first one who comes out in the credits, and she doesn't say anything about being Queen Bee or MVP anymore. She goes, If I'm guilty of anything, it's being shamazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Graham. Oh, There's Graham. A- <laughs> There's an art part to the show, Jeff. Graham. And it's. It's just shocking. It's genuinely shocking. <laughs> I was literally on the floor laughing. <laughs> First of all, that you get one of them getting a phone call on camera and being like, I've got to leave. I've got to fucking leave. I've got to leave. Get in the car and drive. Well, the rest of them are like, what the is going on? And then the police show up. And they're like, we're looking to arrest her. But then it cuts to her and credits going, if I'm guilty of anything, it's being shamazing. Okay, I I mean I mean, Graham, see I think there's I think there's something that I'm a little bothered that this is these are these are these are real housewives, I guess. You know what I mean? Like oh, I, I just in in a weird way, like that only makes sense in the universe of this show. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, on so many levels, is full of how are how is this actually real? How are these people right. real? Like, right. what is what is happening? And also, 
you know, we talked about this when we were talking about Blowtech, like the idea of like, is it real? Like how much of this is editing? How much of this is like, you know, people acting up for the camera? And I'm sure there's there's no shortage of both. Right. But also, no one could write something that great. No one could, could genuinely write something that absolutely ludicrous. The, if I'm guilty of anything? No, 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 no. The, the, that you <laughs> the have, opener? Yes. Yeah, the, you, have, you have that as the opener. Where you actually yeah. genuinely get to see her take the phone call and then, like, with panic, be like, I have to fucking go. Yeah. That's... And, like, you know, minutes later, the police show up and they're like, we're looking to arrest her. And all the other that's, housewives are like, amazing. oh. <laughs> And then cut to if I'm guilty of anything. I, I mean, honestly, that is the part. I mean, uh oh. And and the dogs agree, apparently. Apparently, and vociferously. Uh, well, on that bombshell, Graham, I I believe we have a skip week lined up. I believe we're back in two yeah, weeks, we're right? Not recording next week. That's right. We have a skip week, and then we're back for. Oh God, we have to look at the calendar, don't we? Because you've actually you organized have actually scheduled this out yeah i think i have skipped uh, it out. yeah we are doing yeah we're, we have one skip week and then we are back for yep. three whole weeks that's right that. three weeks in a row ladies and gents um that's so wait what action you love <laughs> on one of the, those ones, for real we're going to get chloe on and she will uh, she will also talk about real housewives and sounds great make you almost want to watch it but then realize that that you know you 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 really shouldn't i i mean honestly after having sort of watched below decks and maybe part of that is if your partner's not into it it's a little bit oh you know we didn't even talk about peacemaker we can at least talk about peacemaker i think next time because that's yeah. something that that'll anyway graham two weeks from now, listeners. Two weeks from now, we're, yeah, we're going to be talking about, you know, something that is not Real Housewives. Uh, Potentially and, and, could be you know, Real Housewives. Comics, who knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of comic talk on this one. Not a lot of comic news, apart from me blowing Dan Cherry's the third's name, so. Um. <laughs> and me being like, why does everyone call it Dan Cherry? Not, of course, completely forgetting. But there you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, anyway, Graham, sing us out, please. Like my pioneer ancestors before me. <laughs> <laughs>